sacrifice. That's where we're going today, is real sacrifice. What does sacrifice look like in one's life? Now, again, Lent was this 40-day time period leading up to Easter. You know, a lot of you guys are like, yeah, this is the great time when they do the fish fries everywhere. Oh, I can't wait for that. You're like, this is, this is the great time. Matt and I both had a discovery this morning. We find Mardi Gras beads in the back of the church with binoculars. What is going on? Awkward River and I was not the tour guide on that one, okay? You know, but it's, that's a lot of people think about Mardi Gras, yeah. No. We're talking about what does real sacrifice look like from a biblical perspective. And that's so important for us as a church and as believers to find our faith and understanding in the word of God. How do we talk about that? How do we work through these things? Let's look to the word, okay? It's so important for me and so important for you. Again, this is a time of repentance, reflection, and preparation for Easter. A time when we will refocus, right, our relationship on God and also our relationship with others, okay? Sacrifice. So what we're going to do is come out of the book of Romans, Okay, Paul, who wrote this to the Church of Rome, really excited. Right? Church of Rome, yes, these are letters that Paul would write to churches and to people, sometimes to encourage, sometimes to kick them in the hind parts, sometimes to make sure things were straight and understandable. But this was a church that he had never been to. He was writing in a time that he had never been to this church. He wanted to go to this church of Rome. He was excited about this church. You know, he was hearing things, I'm sure. But one of the things he wanted to do was just get there. He wanted to put his feet on the ground in the church of Rome and see what was happening. So he sends a letter before him about two years beforehand. And it took him a lot of things, a lot of, a lot, took him a, a lot of different places and a lot of different journeys to get there from getting in trouble, being thrown in prison, shipwrecked, and finally making it there on house arrest. Does that not sound like fun? Woo. Who doesn't love house arrest? Okay. I was like, you guys actually been, I've never been there before, but okay. All right. So we see Paul speaking to this church that was started out of Pentecost. Okay, some 30 years prior. And these folks made a journey when they went to Jerusalem. Let me make sure I get the right stats here. If you were to travel by air, okay, 1,434 miles. Okay, if you were to travel by boat, which was the way they would travel, 1,246.11 nautical miles. Miles. So this was a journey. So you know the Church of Rome, these first Christians in this way, were excited coming back to Rome to start something great. So you see Paul, Paul is identifying his pedigree. Okay, he's talking here in a way so people learn to know who he is, but also how to respect him. We talked about a little bit more Philippians. He was a Jew of Jews, okay, which means he studied under the best rabbis. He was somebody that was respected for knowing the law and knowing the faith of Judaism, okay? But he was also someone that was converted on a road on the way to Damascus to persecute the church even more. Met face to face with Jesus, was blinded, okay? And then Jesus spoke life into him saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then takes him to a new place through this journey. So this is, this is Saul, now Paul, talking to a church of Rome that has probably heard about this guy through history a little bit. Probably maybe even still questioning his intent, okay? Because you know when somebody who was a killer before becomes a redeemer, it's kind of hard to believe the story. 
right? Put yourself in the situation. This is so important when you read the word. Get the context, okay? So we see some mega themes that happens between chapters 1 and 11 that Paul wants us to realize as readers. Because what it does is it validates what he talks about from 12 on. Okay, And some of those themes that we see are salvation, right? We see sin, we see growth, we see sovereignty. So when we talk about sin, it's an understanding. This is where it starts. Refusing to do God's will, which puts us at a separation point from him, which is a choice. Remember, God always set things up so you had a choice. He's not a dictator. He wants you to be in relationship with him. He's not going to make you. And that's where we get salvation and understanding right? that God made a way, which was through Jesus, to forgive us, which means to cancel our debt, okay? Don't you love that feeling? Who have you had that feeling before when somebody called and said, hey, just want to let you know that hospital bill, that whatever, just want to let you know we went ahead and erased that $300 or even that $27. We erased that debt. And understand, not the coolest feeling ever. Multiply this by 15 billion, okay? An understanding that I canceled debt of sin, and put us in right standing with him, which is righteousness. Simple terms, but they need to make sense, okay? And understanding that we can grow in him, that we've been redeemed, um, that we've been sanctified. One of those other Christianese words just means set apart. That we've been set apart to be close to him, okay? That we can be back with him and that we can grow in him and through him. And then also the sovereignty factor, which was so important for Paul to talk about. Why? Because what he was saying here is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, what does that mean in the Greek? Everyone. Same thing that it would mean in, in Hebrew if it was in the Old Testament. So everyone. Everybody. He died for everyone. And what the struggle was here was Jew and non-Jew, which is called a Gentile. Jew and non-Jew, this understanding, well, did he die for everybody? Absolutely. He didn't come for just some. He came for everyone and he died. So we're talking about the sovereignty of God that he exists apart from, but attached to us as his creation, okay? And that he died, his son died for everyone so that everybody could be right with him. Which leads us to chapters 12 and on. And what we're going to do is we're, we're in the plane here this morning. Don't you love it? Anybody like flying? Or does anybody hate flying? My mother-in-law, she's like, don't even talk about it, okay? But if you hate flying, you already right now are feeling anxiety in you. Does anybody seriously get anxiety about flying? Okay, you're in a, you're in a plane right now. Can you hear the, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> what is that sound? That's the engines. There's, you're like, oh! You know, I'm flying in a bomb. No, you're not. It's fine. It's safe. It's not going to just get in the air and poof. No, they've done this for quite a while. But listen, we're going to do a flyover so that we can make sense. Because here's the thing. I started with chapter 12 and I'm like, man, we just need to really camp on this first part. But then I can't take a conversation out of context. That's not right. So when we look at scripture, we have to look at the context of scripture to understand what Paul was saying all throughout. So if you ever read a book, how many of you guys are readers? Raise your hands if you're readers. Okay. Which means you read a complete book. Okay. Some of you that aren't readers, sometimes me, I love to read, but I, it's just other things are more important. I don't know, like science TV or something. That's so fun. Outrageous acts of science or like, okay. You know, I'm like, I learned today. <laughs> Woo. Read a book. Okay. But the thing is when it comes to reading, sometimes I like to, you know, get the front of it. 
get the back of it, read a little bit in between. Like, oh, I get the idea of the chapter. Read it, bam, okay? So it's important for us, though, when it comes to Scripture still, is to get the context. So your, your, your challenge is to read it all. Okay, but what I'm going to do is just we're going to do a little puddle hopper. Okay, we're going to dip down on some spots throughout 12 through 15 that will make sense to you and give you context of what Paul was saying about this thing, service. And service, okay, about sacrifice. Okay, we're going to camp there in just a moment. But service, which is like this, okay? Picture yourself as a child. You're like, well, that's me every day. Picture yourself as a child. Picture yourself now growing as an adolescent into a teenager, and that's awkward. Okay, keep going. Now you're a young adult, okay, and you're about to step out and go to school. You're about to go to the military. You're about to, that's what your dad said. Um, you're about to go, you're going to the military. It'll get you straight. Or you're going to the next level of your life. You're stepping out. And this is what Paul was setting the stage for. All these things that we had when we were at home, we, we confronted our sin and, we, and we, we received this salvation. We began to grow and we understood the sovereignty of God. But now we're at this place, another point of decision called service, serving. And this is like the coming of age as a, as, as a human being. Will I be willing to sacrifice my own wants and desires, my comforts, right? I have built that portfolio. I have invested in this way. I have worked hard at this job. I have developed this way of thinking. I have de developed this way of driving and what I drive and how I act. And we, we like things to be developed, but are we always willing to sacrifice? Are we always willing to come face to face at getting closer to God and helping others more? This is what it's about. And what we're going to do today is take a look at what sacrifice looks like, okay, as we puddle hop to each of these places, all right? So let's start Romans 12, 1 through 2, all right? Um, you'll see, you can go back to that real quick. Sacrifice, just to define, just in case, to suffer loss of, like, like that investment that you were so excited about and it tanked, to give up, be willing to say, I give up. I give up whatever it is to renounce maybe a, 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 a um, I don't know, position, a place that you serve, whatever, to renounce, to put that down, to injure even to that point, to destroy, especially for an ideal, maybe a system that you've built in your life and you destroy it completely so that you can get closer to God and let him rebuild it, a belief or an end, a place that you want to be at when it's all done. That's what we're talking about today. So the first thing is this, sacrifice, looks like a renewed mind and one body. Romans 12, one through two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. Again, Paul just building a bridge here between folks. Brothers and sisters, okay? In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Who does not want to know the future of their life? I would love to know where things are going to end up two years from now. I'd like to know where things are going to end up one month from now. <laughs> For real. You ever feel that way? Because life's like, hey, take this. Hey, how about that? Hey, this looks like fun. And you're like, uh, 
and takes you down. You know what I'm saying? Wouldn't you love to know God's good and perfect will? Well, Paul gives us some directions here and an understanding that it's a renewed mind and one body, okay? A renewed mind. So important because the mind is the beginning of all things, isn't it? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The beginning of sin, the beginning of separation starts in our mind. And God's desire for us is to be one body. One body with many gifts, all kinds of representations, but it has to start in the mind. There's a way of thinking in this world, isn't it? There really is. There's worldly thinking, you know, and not to sound Christianese in that because you grew up saying, hey, don't be in the world. Don't be in it. Don't get near it. The world's a scary place. Stay right here where it's safe. God will take care of you right here. And it's like, I live in this world. I need to be in this world. I'm not of it, yes, but I'm in this world. How do I do it? By a transforming of your mind, a new way of thinking. The world says, do this, 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 and that. But God says, do this, this, and that. Understanding that right here, processing these things in such a way so that you can arrive at the place and the person that you're supposed to be. It's a different way of thinking. It's so important for us. 1 John 2, 15 through 16 talks about the world in this way, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And you look at this flesh, anything that appeals to our appetites. I'm hungry right now for real. Like for real, can you get me a bottle? I'm just kidding. But appetites. And when it comes to food, that is my drug, if anything, because I love, I love to graze. Anybody else like to graze? You just open the drawer and you're like, well, hello, how are you? (laughs) You go to the refrigerator, you're like, I'll take that, okay? It's fun. But there are so many appetites that our flesh cries out to, and you know what I'm saying? They can go so much deeper and so much further than that. Even the eyes, the materialism, this coveting, what we see but we don't have. We always look around, and it's always something that we don't have that we want. Imagine if we lived out in a commune in the middle of Alaska, and you never saw any social media. You never saw anything in the world. You'd be totally happy with your Levi's from 1947, because you never knew that there were any new ones out there, right? That's like I haven't changed my style in 75 years. Why? Because I'm timeless. No, because it costs so much to change. But you know what I'm saying there. So important, though, to renew the way we see things and what we covet, which should be nothing but him. Transformational mind. Doing that through God's word, so important. The second thing is this. Sacrifice looks like sincere love and devotion. Romans 12, 9 through 10. Love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Let's define that before we move on. Free from pretense or deceit. Being genuine. Being genuine. How many places have you been to where people lack transparency? Where they lack honesty? Where they lack the desire to be genuine with you. And say, remember we talked about that in dating and marriage, the, the commercials that were so funny when you go on the date and everybody's like, oh, I had a terrible time. I'm never going to see you again. Don't you wish people would just be real and genuine? Yes, we do. And it's so important for us to be sincere, okay? Sincere and understanding, but also devotion. What does that look like? Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Devotion. Devotion. First for God as you read further. When we are fully devoted to him, we will be fully devoted to them. When you are fully devoted to him, 
You will be fully devoted to them. That's not condescendingly speaking about people that aren't in the church. That's an understanding of something that you can remember that you can walk out with. Okay? We have to love people genuinely and be devoted to God and then be devoted to them. When we get this, we will be the hands and feet of, hands and feet of Christ. We will understand what true sacrifice looks like. Third thing is this. Sacrifice looks like submission to authority. Now, this may be a little bit hard to swallow this morning. This is something that's not fun for us. Sacrifice looks like submission to authority. Romans 13, 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. I wonder what was happening. I look forward to studying more about this at the Church of Rome. Was there like some dissension? Was there some separation that was between the Christians of Rome and, and the Roman government? Were there people there that thought they were better? Were there people there that thought they knew more, that didn't respect those that were in leadership, that didn't revere those that are in leadership? How many of you guys know it's pretty hard sometimes to respect a politician? Well, that was unanimous, even if you didn't say it. You can see that if you look on anybody's social media feed in the last six months. Sometimes it is very hard because let's be real, there are some stupid and ugly people in this world. Hateful, terrible people in this world. And that's just politicians. How about your boss? Hopefully you don't call your wife your boss. Okay, but how about your boss? Think about that. Sometimes you think, are, are you even on the same planet that I am right now? Do you even know what's happening right now? I don't have a boss, so mine's Jesus, so I don't really question him like that, which has been pretty fun, okay? Because he'll tell me the truth every time. You're dumb. But the thing is this. I don't care who you are, where you're from, whatever. You will always have authority in your life. And if you don't have authority, I do have authority in my life. There's layers and levels. Trust me, I'll go through the list with you of authority. And if I don't know how to honor authority, if I don't know how to submit to these people, I can never have the right authority in my own life because God has placed people over us, even the people that we despise. So what does scripture say to do? Pray for those in leadership. You guys heard me tell you, uh, I don't know, a month ago or so, when I just felt like a sense of grief in my heart that we didn't pray enough for, for past presidents, specifically even the last one where people get so upset about a person versus praying for the position and the person. So important for us. And then you have new political leaders that are coming in that need that much more prayer because they are just as much human as anybody else. And for us, it's so important to go to a place of prayer because prayer enables us to submit. When we bring somebody's name before God, we'll be more likely to care for them versus hate them. So I don't know what Paul was talking about in Rome at that point. I look forward to studying it more. But for us as a church, an understanding of submission, that is sacrifice, isn't it? It goes against the fabric of your being to pray for someone that you don't like. And that can go on all layers and every level of your life. Submission to authority. Fourth, sacrifice looks like honor instead of judgment. Sacrifice looks like honor instead of judgment. Romans 14, 1. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Romans 14, 1. Now this is, this is something important because Paul is talking about something that's important to us all that we love to think about even now, food. He's talking about 
food. And there were dietary restrictions and things like that that people had that were, were Jewish and those that were Christians, you know? And it was hard for them sometimes to navigate and balance between that. But let's be real. It's about faith. It's about where you are at on your journey. And everybody in the church and outside of the church are on a faith journey. And it's so important for us to have a sense of honor toward that and a sense of understanding. We are so quick to think that since we have been saved for 47 years, we have 14 bars, we got three, you know, things on our collar. We're like the Christian of the Christian elite. We are like the commander in chief elite. We are everything when it comes to the faith and we forget people that are not at that place. And our job is to bring people up to that place and not get caught up in disputes that are over nothing. This is so important. Honor someone for who they are not judge them for where they've been. Honor someone for who they are, not judge them for where they've been. It is so hard to speak honor over people because we so easily like to judge. We do. We like to put ourselves at a higher place. You see it? Go to lunch with your coworkers. Could you believe what they said the other day? Can you believe that? They were talking about her. I can't, you're talking about her talking about her. What are you doing right now? You're not honoring them. You're judging them and making yourself look better because of, right? We need to choose honor. So important. Sacrifice looks like honor. Biting your tongue is hard, isn't it? So hard because you got something good. You can just, well, I'm gonna throw it on the table and they're gonna be like, that's amazing. You know, it's like, and then you pull it back because you're gonna choose honor over judgment so important. We're on a journey with people and we can't get in quarrels over things that aren't worth quarreling over. We have to give honor. So important. Submission to authority, honor instead of judgment. The fifth is this. Sacrifice looks like accepting others. Romans 15, five through seven. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind, see Paul brings it back to being one. With one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. See, this is where we talk about that sovereignty a little bit as well. Our church should reflect our community. Our church should always reflect our community. There are all ages in our community. There's all ethnicities in our community. There's all walks of life in our community. There's all walks of relationship in our community. Okay, there's all walks of everything. And we should accurately always reflect our community. We bring people in so that we can do life with them and help them encounter Jesus in a real way. If you stand at the door of your life even and say, you know, I really don't like the way you part your hair. Um, Part of my, we kind of like a little bit, can you, two inches? Perfect, come on in. Glad to see you. Wonderful. But like, um, you like that kind of music? We only do Bethel praise here. I'm just kidding. You know what I'm saying? We, we don't do his song. You know, it's like, you, you, you know, I don't know. You, you work there? I can't believe you work there. Uh, we only accept people from the other. You know, you know how we can do this? We have to look at people as God's kids, Jew and Gentile alike. Jew and not, everybody is the same because everybody needs to experience salvation. Everybody. 
And we are the ones that show them Jesus. If we choose to or not, it's up to you. So what we're going to do now is we are going to take a moment and receive communion together. We're going to conclude. Matt and Co. can come up. We're going to conclude in this moment with an understanding of what real sacrifice looks like. A lot of times we just receive communion flippantly. A lot of times we just say, oh, communion time at church. This is fun. I love grape juice. I love oyster crackers. I like how he uses those. They're like perfectly salted, but yet not so much. I love communion at the foundry. It is the best. I like the time when he does the bread, when they pull the bread. That's fun. We're going back to a place, the deepest, darkest time of history, literally, when God was putting sin on the shoulders of his son. The greatest sacrifice of all time was Jesus giving up his life as a ransom because it was real. It was literally his body being broken. It was his flesh being torn from his side. It it was a crown of thorns mocking him as the king of the Jews that was placed on his head, long thorns, like three-inch thorns with a special little solution on it that would make his head swell in thorns and re-injure and re-injure the wounds that were already there because his head would swell into the thorns. Do you see what I'm saying here? Sacrifice. Literal blood that was spilled. Literal body that was broken. Historically proven we're going to the darkest time and that's that's what lent's about as us getting ready sadly for the darkest time but so exciting the greatest celebration of all time redemption so exciting because he came out of that tomb whole again he came out renewed he came out complete scars yes proof but whole so that we too can be whole so what we're going to do is we are going to, in just a moment, ask you to get up out of your seats and come forward. If you can move, I know it's a little hard, but keep a pathway on each side of one way up, one way back, okay? It's, communion here is always a train wreck when it comes to transportation. We're fine with it. As long as you get it, we're going to get it, okay? And we have patience. So let me get you to stand with me this morning. And what I'm going to do is just read to you while our ushers come up, if you guys wouldn't mind, to go ahead and grab communion, those that helped this morning. One will be stationed over here, and one will be stationed here. I think we should be able to get it dispersed quick enough. If not, that's okay. We have patience. But what I want to do is these guys get into place. I'm going to start again with Paul and how he was talking about communion and the importance of it as a remembrance and a reminder to the church of Corinth. And as as these guys are in place, perfect, you can start getting out of your seats and you can listen and walk and grab, okay? Grab the, the implements here and be good. And listen with me. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We see this this building up here in the same way. After supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Jesus was making a point that whenever you get to this table again and you look at a glass of wine, that you'll never look at it the same. When you get to the table and you see the bread there and you partake of the bread and you crush it between your teeth, you'll never eat bread the same. Why? Because you are identifying with me in an understanding that my body was broken and my blood was spilled. And this is why he says, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. So as you're walking back and you're getting into your place, begin that examination. Because here's why. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Why? Because he's making it as if it is nothing. It is his body and his blood. Of course, it is grape juice and oyster crackers today. But it is a reminder as you crunch that cracker and you hear it and you, you feel it between your teeth, you think of his body that was crushed. As you drink that cup, you, you think of it as his blood that was spilled on Calvary for you. So important. If you want, you can serve these guys too, Anthony. He's, Christopher has some. He's good to go. So let's take a moment and finish that examination process. God, we take a moment and we look within ourselves and we ask if there is anything that separates us from you. Let us look at it now. Let us examine ourselves now. Any sin that we may have, any separation, anything that keeps us back to the fullest and greatest relationship with you, let us look at that now and let us be coming back to you in this moment. We love you. And we thank you. Has everybody been served out here? Okay, good. Thanks, brother. Thank you. All righty. So take with me in your hand the bread. Let's go to the place in Matthew 26 where Jesus was talking to his disciples. And he said, this bread, when, when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. Take and eat. This is my body. Imagine hearing those words. And this is what's so important for us to start in this place as if Jesus is speaking to us today. Not, not from Paul, but now from Jesus. Take and eat. This is my body. Take a moment with me. Think about how he was broken and how you may be whole today. Thank him for it. Begin to partake. take the cup with me. He took the cup when he given thanks. He gave it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which isn't a commitment, which isn't something that will run out on you. It's, it's a covenant, which is forever, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Again, the challenge for us, why we sacrifice is so that others may be saved. For the forgiveness of sins, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's drink together.
God, we thank you so much. And we bless you this morning. And we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And we thank you, God, that we are a part of this covenant, that we are a part of this love relationship that goes far deeper and far wider than any other relationship in our life. We thank you, God, that we can say this morning with enthusiasm that it is well. We can say this morning with an understanding, God, that we are in the best place we've ever been, Lord, because we understand what it's like to live our lives for you as we lay our lives down for you. Lord, we thank you so much that we've had an opportunity to understand from your word how important it is to give our lives as a sacrifice. And then in this moment, Lord, after we have partaken of your body and your blood and understanding that we have reason to sing. So we do that and we thank you. And I hear the Savior say, thy strength. 